From reaching the highs of the editorial world as associate editor and beauty director at Marie Claire and conquering the branded content space in London to taking the helm at InStyle Australia as editor-in-chief, Emily Taylor has built her career on crafting compelling stories. We chat to her about her career journey, bringing her family from the rat race of the eastern states to the calmer shores of Perth and becoming the editor of her own life. Welcome. Thank you. Great to be here. I was actually going to have a discussion about how we knew that Emily was back in Perth. Didn't Anne Billington tell me? Yeah, someone told us, or I saw you at an event, must have been like a Scanlon opening or something, and I was like, I can't believe that Emily Taylor from InStyle is now living in Perth. Yeah, we were beside ourselves. Oh, that's in a good way. In a good way, <laughs> totally. Yeah, we were like, not she's back, oh my gosh. No, but no. we were like, the cool people, they're coming. So we've admired you from afar and watched your career closely. Can you tell us your story and your journey to being the editor of InStyle? Yeah, right. Well, I I think I've had um, a bit of luck in um, in my career as well as a lot of hard work. But I started, I mean, I, I went to school in Perth. I went to university in Perth. I was born here Um but I was always really drawn to publishing. I've always loved magazines. I grew up in the era of magazines, as I mean, as you both did as well. You would remember Emma growing up in Perth, reading Dolly or Girlfriend or Cosmo or whatever it was. That was the only way pretty much to get any sort of relevant content for a 13, 14, 15-year-old. And then I just decided... Literally one day, I still remember the night, I was out at, actually I think it was the Leaderville Hotel, it was just around the corner from here, isn't that so strange? And I remember being there and just feeling like I have to leave, like I have to get out of here, I need to go. And I went home, I woke up my parents, I was living at home and I said, um, I'm going to move to Sydney. You woke them up in the middle of the night? Yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's like an epiphany. Yeah. <laughs> it was. And um, they were like, can we talk about this tomorrow? I said, no, because I might have changed my mind in the morning. I'm going to move to Sydney. I got to Sydney and I was very fortunate to meet someone who worked in publishing in Sydney. And we just got talking at... Um, the Golden Sheaf in Double Bay. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> the beginning of many a good story. Um, and um, and she said, oh, my boss is looking for an assistant. And why don't you just come and meet her and maybe, you know, you could do it. And so she set it up and I went in and I met her boss, which ended up being Lynette Phillip, and she hired me. And that was, that was kind of that. That was my in. Um, and I started working for Lynette as her assistant really closely. I was really lucky. I was there in the days of Mr. Packer was still in the building. It was really incredible. And I really just went from there. I went from that role, which I did for about a year to, um, to Dolly. So I actually made it to Dolly. I couldn't quite believe it. Um, and I don't, isn't yours Dolly? No. What was yours? That's a story for another time. No, it's not. No, it's a story for another time. Go back. Okay. Go back. (laughs) <laughs> I want to know the Dolly yeah, story I know. now. See, it's fun. No, it's girlfriend. Oh, girlfriend. Should Emma, we talk about that? Yeah, and just quickly. Oh my God, no. That's something from like 30 years ago that I never talk about. I know. <gasps> Were you on the cover of she Girlfriend? Was. Oh my goodness. Dying. Yes, I think in 1996. Oh, wow. Yeah. I think it's an amazing claim to fame to be on the front cover of a magazine. It really is. It really is. You're like yeah, a well, proper model, like oh, superstar. Yeah. Do you still that. have the magazine? Do you have it somewhere? I think my mum might, but yeah. 
You don't, because I cleared out your attic and I didn't find it. Oh, yes. No, I don't have it anymore. It's literally 20... I can't even think about it. So long ago. And you... I mean, I remember saving up my pocket money or my whatever from working and you would go to the news agent the day that it came yes, out the day. and like line up the and day. then it would be sold out and you'd yeah. have to go somewhere else. And it was such an exciting time. And so I did feel very lucky to be a part of it. Um, and working on Dolly at that time was, I mean, it was amazing. Um, did you have Mia as your editor? Mia was our editor-in-chief, yeah. Editor-in-chief, yeah. Yeah, she was. And she was across Dolly and um, uh, Cosmo at yeah. the same time. Yeah. So I was there then. Then I, I moved across to Marie Claire um, as beauty editor and then uh, beauty director. I was at Marie Claire for probably eight and a half, nine years. I was there for a long time. And, and yeah, then I went freelance for a while just to have a bit of a change of pace. I moved to London. I was there for about two and a half years uh, working in content, which was so great. I just, it was such an incredible experience and a really important experience for my career. And then again, Jackie called. Come back, and, um, come back. <laughs> she said, I, I might have a job for you. And I, um, and it was in style. And I was really just getting settled in London. Um, I was, you know, I had a great job. It was really, um, you know, life was great. I was living in Notting Hill. I was sort of living the single girl London dream. And it felt like quite a lot to give up. But then I just thought, this is my chance. Like I've always wanted to edit something and I just don't feel like this opportunity is going to come around again. And um, so I packed my things. I had four weeks to be at the desk in Sydney, packed my things and, and came back home. That's like a huge career moment. And I wonder if they are still going to exist for, for this generation. Getting a call from Jackie. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's becoming less likely. I'm actually yeah. working with Jackie again now. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it will. I think... I think the landscape is different now. It's very, very different. I think um, social media has changed everything. Um, it certainly felt like it was going to be the death knell of publishing and for quite a few years it was a struggle. I, at the end of um, my time at InStyle, it was getting very hard. Print is having a massive resurgence now. I don't know if you've read anything about it recently. It's been in the news, but um, magazine sales are up, you know, a, a lot. Like I think women's lifestyle magazine sales are up 35% or something like that with new audiences, with the younger audience, because people are tired of being on screens all the time and they're tired of constantly scrolling. And when they get home from work or whether they have some downtime, you know, getting away from that, that sort of churn um, and just having something that feels more tangible and more calm um, seems to be resonating. Do you think having this kind of whole broad spectrum sort of fashion, lifestyle, beauty, do you think that will work or do you think it's too much in one thing? I think magazines need to have a very clear point of view in the market mm. and a very clear voice and um, and a point of difference. I don't think that you necessarily need to focus on just one topic, but I think you do. It, it comes down to the brand and having a brand that somebody wants to buy into because, you know, time is the biggest luxury, right? And I was reading a really interesting um, article about luxury this week, actually. And of course, it said the number one luxury is time, but it's also truth and trust. 
and um, this sort of three T's of luxury. And that really resonated with me because obviously it's time. We all know that, right? But I thought that truth and trust piece um, was interesting as well. So truth being that you're creating a product or a service that feels authentic and feels like you know what you're buying into um, and the trust piece being you know who you're buying it from, you understand what the brand's offering. I mean, this is obviously where influencer marketing comes into it a lot because, and I think that's been so successful because it literally puts a face to a product or a service. service, So you think, oh, well, Emma likes that. Mm. I like Emma because I like Emma's content. So I would trust that. And I think that's why brands, I mean, I guess that's influencer marketing 101, but, um, I thought that was interesting that that sort of time, truth, trust combined is is sort of the definition of modern luxury. I just find, especially as I'm coming older, the things that I find more important are, are working with people that I, you know, that, that trust and authenticity comes across with working with our clients and the people that we get to spend our time with mm-hmm. as well. Absolutely. I mean, you you have your own business. I have my own business. We are now in the very fortunate position that we can choose who we work with. What made you come back to Perth, and how's that been? <laughs> <laughs> was it was it was it the family piece? Look, it's so interesting. When I left Perth, I never thought I would return. I couldn't wait to get out of here. I think growing up. Um, in the 80s and 90s in Perth um, for someone like me was tough. Like it it wasn't – I was really – I loved being creative. I loved the creative industries. I was doing music and theatre and there didn't feel like there was a lot for me here. Um, And I was just desperate to get out and see the world and see how – different people did things and different countries did things and yeah I just I didn't think I'd be back and then very strangely um, during COVID uh, my partner who is a pilot um, was offered a promotion uh, but it had to be out of Perth well why wouldn't we like let's let's just give it a shot and then it came through and he started his training and um, and it it all went very slowly, but then it all just went very quickly. And and then we were here. And uh, so it actually wasn't my decision. Well, it sort of was because I sort of agreed to it, but it really was his job that moved us back here. You are just the expert on Rotnest. I am. I actually am the expert on Rotnest. How come you're the expert on Rotnest? <laughs> Do you know, Rotnest is just such a special place for my family. My parents had their honeymoon there. Rotnest is a lovely island I mean, it's a 30-minute boat ride from Fremantle, from just off the coast of Perth. So it's so easy to get to. It's like a Greek island, don't you think? It's like going to Greece. Um, I mean, of course, without the amazing food, I was about to say, the food food is nowhere near as good. Yeah, it's only. And yeah, it's always been a non-negotiable. So even when I moved to London, there was no expectation that I'd be home for Christmas, but there was always an expectation that I'd be back for Rotness. So... When we all met and there was a common link that there was Russell, a tarot reader in Sydney, that could give us some insights into where we are at what stage in life, we all had a session with him. And that, and I've just shared his number with about 100 people, so thank you for that. Um, and I know when we were talking the other week, you said that you were having a session with Russell. So what do you get out 
of 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 Russell? Do you, is it is it like a guide? Is it? Yeah, I mean, I guess we should explain. Russell is yeah. a tarot reader, um, which, and he's also just a great guy. But um, I, I probably take. I definitely don't sort of set a hundred percent store in what he says. Um, I guess I take it with a bit of a grain of salt. What I love about it, though, is he's always really positive and he just makes you feel like you're on the right path. And I think if something's going to make you feel positive, that you're on track, that things are things are okay and things are moving forward in the way that they should, I mean, there's, there's nothing no wrong with that, that no, right? No. That's like a positive therapy yeah. session. Yeah, it really is. So um, I actually do sometimes feel like I've had therapy after speaking to Russell because he's always just so like, yeah, that's, you know, that sounds good and – you know, the cards say this and the cards say that and I hang up and I feel like, yeah. He's got quite an even tone in his voice mm. as well, I think, which helps. Yeah. That goes into what we wanted to talk about next, about mental health or life hacks or what's something that makes, you know, you feel better. Like, is it a tarot <coughs> reading with Ru- is it a tarot reading with Russell? Is it? Right. What makes me feel better? Um, I think mental health has always been really key for me. So I have struggled with mental health for most of my life. In fact, pretty much all of my life that I can remember. Um, I also have um, very, I would say, crippling anxiety. And that's something that I've always had to manage um, in different ways throughout different periods of my life. Um, you know, we've all, all had hard times in life. I've, I've probably had, I would say, four or five periods that have been super tough um and so yeah mental health um is a big one for me and I I do think therapy is important I think talking therapy can be really beneficial um I think it can be really beneficial at particular times I don't think it necessarily always is I think having somebody though to talk to that you're not sort of just dumping everything on your partner or your best friend or a parent or something like that is is positive not only for you but for all your your close relationships too. Um, but little things, and I feel like it's taken me this long to to learn. But getting enough sleep, um, exercising regularly, if not every day, eating healthy foods. Like it, it sounds so basic, but those are the those are the things that when I'm feeling a bit all over the place um, do really like I think hang on actually I haven't been looking after myself and I, would, I think I would never have thought that of you I mean you know and I guess that's anxiety and mental health you you obviously don't don't know someone's story but on paper it's you know such a high achieving my fear of flying comes down 100% to control and as somebody said to me once like do you actually want to be flying the plane though and I'm like no I don't want to be flying I'll just marry the pilot (laughs) (laughs) I'll go one better (laughs) that's so funny I've never thought about that um but I don't want to be flying the plane no but it's funny like I if it's if there was turbulence or anything I feel like I have to concentrate like it was almost like I was keeping like I had to keep the plane up with my mind it's so stupid I know that sounds ridiculous but 
I this kind of control aspect of it because obviously when you're in a plane you have no control right you, you've got no control at all you don't know who you're sitting next to you don't know who's flying it you don't know if the plane like what condition the plane's in you don't know what the weather's going to be like outside and I still do things like I check the weather and then I say to Cam is it going to be bumpy because he obviously gets the weather maps the whole like wherever I might be going and and he's like but what are you going to do what are you going to do if it is like, I don't know, but it's just it's this. It's, it's not, it's the, the it's knowing. It's just knowing. It's just knowing. And just I, knowing. I feel like that's just sort of an example of the way that anxiety plays out for me and that, that need for control plays out for me. And it is exhausting. You're right. Emily, what gives you joy now? Do you know, this is going to sound so strange, but what brings me joy now is having the space to work and I know that makes me sound so boring. I promise I did one day used to be, once I was fun at parties and I did used to dance on tables. But of course, and I could say my children bring me joy. I know that's what we're supposed to say. They do bring me joy. Of course they do. I love them. I'm in the weeds at the minute. I'm, yeah, I've got a two-year-old and a four-year-old. There's no joy there. It's a real <laughs> no joy. I only want to talk to my kids once I turn six and um, – yeah, anything under that, I'm not interested in. Oh, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's tough. And I, I mean, I do love them. Of course I do. But it is relentless and it's, it's challenging. I feel like this might be our last question and it's the most important. Essentially, we identified <laughs> that within character and within the network of people that we have and the, the people that we hang out with and the people that we've met on our journey, career journey, a lot of those people kind of tie in to a similar way of living their life and that we all and and again it comes down to marketing um, and how brands market themselves and what parts of brands we adopt and how that affects our behavior and we identified that a lot of what we do it, it, it kind of feels quite cultish so do you have any cultish behaviors look strange not strange but repetitive behaviors that I find myself doing Repetitive. That's a better question, way of doing it. Yes, repetitive behaviours. Okay. Uh, yes, yeah, they could be repetitive or they could be part of a community. Sure. I think I'm obsessed with drinking tea. Like, I'm obsessed with it. It's Obsessions, that's a good word. It's a problem for me. I mean, it's not a problem because who cares as tea. But I, I drink Earl Grey tea. I can't drink coffee. Um, and... I let myself have three cups a day and it is like a real ritual for me. I ha- It has to be in a certain mug. Um, if I travel, Are I have to leave, take my tea bags leave, with Leaves me. or bag? Oh, no, bag. I mean, I do have leaves. I've got all of the, the business. But I just, normally I just don't have time. Is it Twinings? No, no, it's Tea Drop, okay. which is from oh, which, is, which is a drop. Melbourne race. I was about to say, I feel like this gets flown in. Ah. It does get flown in. Mm. I order it online from Melbourne. Mm. I discovered it at South Melbourne Market. It's amazing. It's an Australian brand. Get onto it. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming to talk Not to at us all. today. Thank you for having me. And for being in Perth and being so relatable. Um, I know every time that we chat about things, whether it's on social media or now in person, um, I feel like we're all going through similar things and yeah it's nice to share the journey it's so interesting isn't it when you see people's lives playing out on social media or in the media or anything like that you think oh my gosh that person really has their shit together and then um 99.9% of the time I really don't think that's the case no, no everybody's and it's not until you get you know three heads in a room and you realize that actually we're all set fighting the same battles and we're all as mad as each other yeah exactly yes, exactly <laughs>